0: This is the Video Jumpyard Podcast.
1: A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. It's a lion. It's a lion. It's a
0: lion. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all part of Bubblegum.
2: From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half ape, with the strength of twenty demons. It's time.
1: And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Peterson. With me as always, my good friends and the other hosts of the show, Eric Branson and Ryan Steiskel. Guys, how you doing? Good. I'm good.
0: I'm all right. right. Uh, It's been a positive week so far
1: excellent excellent though we're recording
2: on a sunday so it's just getting started but yeah
1: <laughs> i
0: mean i have a different yeah. i don't have a job so time is irrelevant <laughs> it's, so anything it's, it's yeah. been
2: a lifelong debate between people is sunday real? it's on the calendar i guess it's the first day of the week right well mm. it depends because i'm sitting here looking at this uh, this new um godzilla models calendar that i got and they actually have monday as the first day on this really thing, so are they yeah, like in yeah. bikinis and stuff or is it you know are the, are the pol- <laughs> actual like uh special effects models and models built for fan conventions um i got it from the uh godzilla fan club magazine um g fan magazine that i have a subscription to it came free with the so, so
1: anyway. full nudes nice nice well when, <laughs> with a
0: with a club like g fan i yeah, yeah i would imagine
2: <laughs> like
0: learning oh, yeah it's
2: it's godzilla
1: it's
0: fan the form.
2: sexiest thing that i own and out, yeah.
0: <laughs> get get a nice photo of that mile long taint
1: <laughs> well speaking of questionably mile-long sexy uh the movie <laughs> that we're going to be reviewing tonight actually is one that's kind of been when you bring it up to people if they like it, it's one of the things yeah it's kind of a sexy movie and it, that's something we'll kind of discuss tonight is the sexuality of of this film um and so just to kind of remind people, we're, we're starting to shift a little bit of our format on the show where we're still occasionally going to be doing some theme shows, but we, as you've noticed, hopefully we're trying to bring you more of our free rentals and our trailer talks and just kind of mix it up a little bit, but we are still doing movie reviews. And um, this is one that I think I recommended uh, for the show. And um, so what I'm going to be trying to do a little bit more is moderate, so it's not just going to be as much random, just, sh- you know, shouting in with stuff here and there. what Um, shouting we never we don't don't cut each other off ever either no just uh, do it uh, uh, just so (laughs) tonight we're going to be talking about the 1992 francis ford coppola film bram stoker's dracula
0: Their destinies linked. An ageless myth meets an uncompromising master, Francis Ford Coppola brings an undying legend to life Dracula It's a vampire. It's a. It's not just a vampire movie. It's a Valentine's Day movie. It really is. Yeah, it's a very yeah. sweet per-
1: Valentine's
2: Day movie. Now, so nineteen 1990- yeah, ninety. I don't know if this will end up airing on Valentine's Day, but that it, that yeah. was our thought process. This it it is. A, it is in the month Day of February. Special, so. So so yeah, this one's for for you lovers out there. So yeah. this
1: one came out, like I said, in nineteen ninety two, and so I would have been ten or eleven years old when this came out. Uh, and I actually, I I remember my dad taking me to the theater to see this one um yeah, which awkward. was a little uncomfortable <laughs> at times because to a to a 10 or 11 year old kid you know seeing a boob on the screen was kind of uh you know shocking or i don't say shocking but it was just like whoa i'm getting away with seeing this and there's quite a lot of that in in this movie but what let's start with you uh ryan what was your first introduction to Brom stoker's dracula
0: Oh God. Okay, so you're talking about eleven or twelve. I can't. uh, This movie, what ninety two? You said.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was three, and I do remember my my parents and a friend my uh, my parents friend rented the movie or or they owned it like that fucking huge ass vhs box set Mm -hmm. and they they were they were watching it and uh so naturally i'm watching it and it horrified me (laughs) so because at that age i fucking three years old um yeah no um it was not for me so honestly this was the first time i viewed it this morning because i viewed it Cause i was late to view this but this was the first time i actually fully watched the movie
2: okay and eric what about yours what was your first introduction uh, to this film you know when i first like looked at the um outline for the show and that's yeah, the thing we have now everybody yeah um, <laughs> like, i i was I, kind of struggling to remember like when exactly i first saw this movie in its entirety because i'm pretty sure i saw it kind of as piecemeal throughout growing up um I know that i did not see this when it first came out it's something i like it was one of those movies that i always really wanted to see because from a young age just been fascinated with the character of dracula then um and i will get a little, grow a little bit more on that um or go a little more into that as the show goes on but this specific film um yeah i want to say i didn't see this thing beginning to end until i started working at the video store in my teens okay which is crazy because it's something that I always kind of wanted to see, and I think I saw bits and pieces of it. I think I even saw part of it at your house probably, one time, probably. But I don't think I ever saw like the whole movie in its entirety, unedited, um, until I sat down and watched it. Then, so I may have seen a, a TV edit, which would you know hurt this film quite a bit. I think. Oh, certainly. Um, now, I guess kind of pivoting off of that a, a
1: bit, you know, this it's 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 the story of, of Dracula, or at least you know Coppola's version of it. Um, what about and i'll go back to you, Ryan, on this one? What was your like first real introduction though to the character and story of Dracula? this is, you know this is a story that's been filmed numerous times over the years?
0: What well, was your
1: first? Can you remember like your first real and you know? And let me just add a caveat to that question, which is I think most of us just growing up in America, you know, in the twentieth century, you knew the the word the name Dracula, but you may not have known the story. Uh, so really, what was your first real introduction to the character in its context?
0: Well, okay, so that's what's so interesting because because there's so much Dracula in culture that I still actually really, I haven't seen the, the, the uh, let me put it this way, the only Dracula movie I actually seen in its entirety besides this one that we just watched was the Nosferatu uh, copyright infringement movie, <laughs> silent mm. film, okay um but other than that because it's such like it's so ingrained in like culture that like you just i'm just i was just always aware of dracula so i couldn't i would never be able to actually pinpoint my actual introduction okay uh to it so
1: just kind of always been there sure what about you eric Uh, yeah
2: yeah i mean besides just the the general oversaturation i i have to this was another one that i was kind of racking my brain over because like many things in my early youth like i'm not exactly how sure i how old i was when i became aware of dracula but i can remember being into this character as young as uh, almost as young as i can remember so three four years old um i do remember really early on like recording onto a vhs tape um the 1931 bella lugosi film um that was on television at on some stations tv you know daytime movie or something that was on so it's definitely prior to school age. It's like one of those weekday daytime fill things with old black and white movies they used to do. Um, and so I, I had seen the, the Bella Lugosi film multiple times, even as a young child. Mm -hmm. Um, so by the time 92 rolls around and this thing's coming out, I already had a very healthy interest in Dracula as a character had seen, you know, multiple interpretations of the character, whether it's, you know, through, um, cartoons or other movies, or like we said, just the general saturation. Um, as i got older i saw more of the you know other interpretations i still have not seen a lot of the hammer horror films but love the two or three i have seen Mm -hmm. uh with christopher lee playing the character um Hmm. he as a literary character i've read the novel multiple times as well i have a dracula tattoo on my body <laughs> like I, um, now now the real question is where my... on the part of your body do oh, you yeah. That's boring it's on my forearm yeah but um at <laughs> no, least is the fun. one you can see is no uh, well
1: even to point out that your your skype because we, we do this through skype of course but
2: your your skype avatar is also bella <laughs> right. dracula right so has i was gonna say this is time yeah this is like one of my all-time favorite you know fictional characters and i'd have to say we probably i probably share that with you know a lot of people in the world because i think i don't know if this is substantiated but i believe this is the literary character that has been adapted to screen the most times in history i think so period dracula is the is the winner so um yeah i think it even beats out jesus yeah yeah,
0: i mean (laughs) Or, or See, very I kind was always recently, yeah. that many movies, but yeah. I was always more of a Frankenstein f- fan myself.
1: Yeah, so. and, and you know, I think my first introduction really to you know, again, like, like you guys were saying, I, I was just kind of growing up I I knew of Dracula. I knew he's a vampire, he's a count and he goes blah and all that stuff. But um Whoa. when I when I was a kid my I was into horror movies and I think my mom was trying to steer me into a responsible way when I was a little kid so she <laughs> found uh, on VHS you know, Universal was putting out like remastered versions of their you know, their monster collection and I remember Frankenstein and the Wolfman uh, were some of the first tapes I got but I, I did get this one so yeah my first real introduction to the story of Dracula was that Bela Lugosi the 1931 um, film yeah. but I also I think read some like a, like a kid's novella version that was only like, you know, 70 pages or something
2: like that, that pretty much went through the same story. Yeah. And that even the, Nosferatu. The first one I read was one of those like adapted for kids right. versions as well. And, and I actually, I wish I still had it. It had a really cool cover and I can still yeah. picture it. Yeah.
1: Now. Mine but... too. I wonder if it was not the same one. Might have even been the same um, one. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> and even, even Nosferatu, you know, Ryan, you mentioned that, which was a, you know, copyright infringement, but they worked around it. Still, we're talking about mm-hmm. pretty much the same story. Um, but what I wanted to kind of segue from there is the uh, the source material for this film. It's I've I've read some conflicting views. Um, you know, having read the book, of course, you know, got my own opinion on it. But it's funny because there there are people that will say this is a very faithful adaptation, and there's one that will then there's views that say this went way too far, or or <laughs> took too many liberties. And yeah. um, I'd like to know what what you guys think about that uh or or if and if you have i don't know ryan have you read the book
0: um no but i'm well aware of the story i i will are you asking like what how i feel about its interpretation because i do have yeah
1: yeah exactly feelings
0: on that um my biggest i think for for the most part it's it seems pretty you know like a like a movie interpretation is it's pretty faithful uh, minus one major point which is actually my main criticism is pretty much how they uh uh treat uh is it mina yeah yes yeah mina um because they go sorry lucy and mina i was fusing those two um it's how they treat mina where in the book she actually is kind of a bit more key in like piecing together everything that like she actually creates the story of Dracula within the movie, within the book of Dracula. As a result of her research of connecting all the the shit to figure out where Dracula is located, like I think that was underdone. It wasn't done at all in the movie, and they no. played her off as this, um, well, th- this this gothic romance. Which I'll be honest, it it played more as a pulp ro- pulp romance than graphic romance, and that's my biggest criticism of it. Honestly, they really took away like. Independent female character, uh, mm. opportunity, mm. but yeah, a pass. A pass at all. I won't keep going about that. What do you yeah, think, Eric? I well, will, to be, but not to now. Be,
2: to have a 19th century novel be more <laughs> more ahead of the times than your interpretation of a character is pretty. Um, anyway, what, yeah. do you, what do you think, though, Eric? because you
1: said, you've um, read the novel a number of times.
2: Yeah, a number of times, and yes i want to say yes and no there are a lot of things about this adaptation that is more that are more faithful than most of the others i've seen but then there are some major departures and yeah i think turning the um relationship between the count and um mina into like yeah the the gothic romance um which i i believe for transfer coppola's intention is to to add like this healthy dose of, of not only like um the the kind of sexual nature or the to be honest like the sexiness that comes into the film that comes out of more of the 70s vampire films and some of the modern things because i think this whole film is a love letter to the character dracula and all of it he tries to fit in kind of some of all of its different flavors um but i do think that i agree with ryan i think that kind of steers it a little off course and actually diminishes both of their characters a little bit and changes it because it has to change the Count Dracula's intentions a bit. Um, and it definitely changes Mina as a character, yeah. Because in the um,
1: original version, he's not really the love story, isn't
2: really a big part. It's, there like, is certainly really a healthy a dose of like there is certainly a healthy dose of 19th century, like, um, tee sexual teasing between the girls writing letters back and forth to one another. Um, the count in stoker is not a sexual creature right uh he is um even in at points where he's able to interact with um the characters or uh come into the um dr seward's home and he's described as kind of a hideous old man um he never changes into like sexy dracula i think the whole sexy dracula thing comes from actually as coppola referring back to um bella lugosi so he's talking about and believe it or not bella lugosi um at the time you know um when that film came out and actually more more in reference to his performance of the character on stage, mm-hmm. if you guys are familiar with the, the famous stage play that the the film 1930 film is based 31 on. film was based on, yeah, uh, there is a little more of a sexual element in the stage play, and even was at the at that time that they did remove from the um, from the film. So Todd Browning's film, mm-hmm. so Bill Lugosi was, believe it or not, considered to be a bit of a sex symbol in that role. Um, you know, he had the the ladies in there whatever you know swooning in the 1920s when he was playing that character on stage so i think that was kind of a tip of the hat to to bella actually and to take that character in a direction that i believe todd browning very much put in the subtext of his film now obviously it's 1931 things are um basically you know anything outside of a little peck on the cheek is considered improper at this point um in a film so we are talking about very subtextually but i think todd browning's film definitely has a healthy dose of like sexual subtext Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. and i think that's where coppola gets this from not from stoker at all so maybe that's going too far Mm -hmm. on the answer but um to get back to my original (laughs) point the yes and no part is that um the yes of all of it is that this is the only adaptation i remember that uses stoker's entire cast of characters so that's arthur Holmwood, um quincy morris um all Dr. Of, Seward all of Lucy's you know, suitors, Van Helsing yep every, everybody's there um, I don't remember seeing Quincy Morris in any other film adaptation of this so the fact that they, you know there's an American cowboy in it seemed probably seemed odd to people at the time but that is very much a character straight out of the novel who so. I'd like to point out is played um,
1: by none other than the Rocketeer
2: yeah. yeah yep was <laughs> funny, that was funny we were talking about not seeing him in much else and like two weeks later we
0: get another movie well he's so hidden under
1: such a giant mustache you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the big yosemite sam mustache but though.
0: even a bigger knife
1: and an even bigger yes. knife yeah um so all these different versions of of this story right and it, it's such a popular character um, you know, as we, we already mentioned, this is something you all just kind of grew up knowing about. We just, you, you know, who Dracula is, and you've seen one version or heard one version or read one version or another of this very famous story. And Ryan, right before we were recording, you and I were talking about the BBC Netflix three part series of Dracula that's currently uh, on the service. Yeah. And so Dracula is still pervasive in 2020. What is it about Dracula that works so well in popular culture?
0: Well, that's very interesting because, like, watching this new one, the, the on the the Netflix made by Stephen Moffat and Mark mm-hmm. Gatiss, the same people who made Sherlock, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's very kind of postmodern, and by that I mean, the story when you watch it, you definitely get a feeling back to the nineteen thirty-one Bella Lugosi, uh, Lugosi, uh, Dracula, as well as, uh, the Hammer films like there's a like it it yeah. feels like it combines all the cultural interpretations of dracula and throws it into this show um but yeah i don't i don't know what it is about it uh and well i mean it started all of vampires and shit like something about it just I it's like it grew past the original novel and uh, I guess I'm not. I'm not really huge into vampires. I, they've just never really been my thing. I don't definitely don't care much for gothic romance of any kind. It's just like, eh. <laughs> it's. But um, I don't know what it is. It's just maybe he 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 uses his hypnotizing powers. You know, he's seductive. That's what it is. It's a very seductive premise. It's a very seductive character. Um, everything about it is. It's it's very invasive, but in done in a way uh that that makes you want to be a part of it i don't know when i say invasive yeah. I'm referring to the, the the fucking sucking of the blood well and i think uh, you bring shit. up a
1: good you bring up a good point too like you know not all vampire stories are dracula and mm-hmm. and some of them are you know gore fests and most of them are you know just like you know you look at movies like fright night right there's a sexual element and there's you know the teen it's kind of like rear window with fangs um not that it's—I I love that movie, by the way. I'm not trying to, to discredit yeah. in any way. Well, but but there's something about the Dracula version of the vampire that the king.
0: Know, there's like this royalty kind of thing. Yeah, like, this,
1: this count and you know. it's but, it's funny because I think the same thing happened with Frankenstein too, where if you read the book, the description of the creature is not really much like the, you know the the 1931 movie of that <laughs> I mean, nothing nothing at all, not at all. Really. like the, the character design is totally different but we all mm-hmm. that's that if she says if you say frankenstein's monster that's the image that still pops into people's heads just like with dracula it's
2: always bella lugosi's that's accent so I was eric say it's i was gonna say that was kind of yeah. gonna be my answer yep. was bella lugosi and in the frankenstein case jack pierce right yep. so and boris karloff obviously but right. um i actually think it's bella i think that is what caused this novel um, although it was it was a certainly a hit in its time, um, but I think because it had what gave it... It
0: had movie interpretations like I mentioned Nosferatu prior. Yep. So yeah, yep. there
2: were so there were people interested in in Bram Stoker's novel, and I think Nosferatu is actually a little bit um, closer with the interpretation of the the character of Dracula straight out of the page of um, because he's supposed to be this hideous old man, and even even in parts when he's in London, like I said earlier, he's he's never this kind of suave you know eastern european lord and he doesn't have that kind of um i mean let's let's face it the like the sexiness you know the suave sophisticated but he's still a predator right and he's still this dangerous um he can you know he can shapeshift he can he can hypnotize people he's um he's almost a perfect what what we call him an anti-hero he's not a hero though I, i mean i guess in his own Story, he kind of is, but certainly not a hero in any classic sense of the word. Not even he's, an antihero.
0: He's just but... like the supernatural nature, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like he he embodies, um... you know what he is. He he's nobility, but mixed with like a uh, beast. Mm-hmm. He's like he's a noble beast, and that's why I think yeah. what's so tantalizing about him. He has like the highest qualities of humanity at the same time also having like the deepest worst parts at the like simultaneously it's almost like the yeah. perfect villain Whoa.
2: yeah exactly yeah. and i think that's why he sticks with it. He's, he's like the you know the way people talk about darth vader right as this iconic villain because of the um he's he's you know the darth vader of that era but i, I think it's really bella lugosi um his performance and his take on the character you know um is certainly what immortalized that and brought it into, you know, the 20th century and, and beyond. Um, is the is, is the novel good enough and a, a nice piece of, you know, literature and would it stand on its own ground and would there still be people interested in it? Yes, absolutely, I think that's true. But I think the what has gone on to become Dracula and the cult of Dracula and the things that, you know, all of these movies and all of this merchandise and all of these, you know, lunchboxes and models and monster magazines and all that, I think it really comes from you know that film and uh, Bella Lugosi's presence as that character, and I think it, as people, I mean, obviously there've been, and we'll talk about Gary Oldman, I'm sure, in just a mm-hmm. minute, but a lot of actors that have done really great things with the role, but I think everybody still kind of has owes that debt to to, to Bella's performance. So, well, um, and, can you tell I'm a fan of? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, right. Well, one of the things
1: that we, we've mentioned briefly so far in this discussion is the cast of this I and mean, you know a, a big big name cast so for 1992 this had a lot of the big names in it right so you have Gary Oldman as Dracula, uh, Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker, Winona Ryder as Mina Harker, Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, um, uh, Richard Grant, Carrie Always as we mentioned, Billy Campbell as Quincy Morris, Sadie Frost as Lucy, one of my all-time favorites also is Tom Waits as Renfield which is <laughs> yeah. some of the best is it, to me that's the best portrayal of Renfield I've ever seen, and actually even uh, uh mentioned one of Dracula's brides is played by Monica Bellucci, which is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, the the casting of this, or at least the, their performances, were met with a bit of it was a bit touch and go with the critics. Um, wanted to see if uh, you guys wanted to to chat a little <laughs> bit about that, Ryan. What what did you think of the the casting in this and their performances overall?
0: Okay, so. Like I said, I the first time I saw this movie very briefly was when I was fucking 3 or 4. And I didn't see it again till now, but that whole period of time in that like 27 years or so I always ripped on the horrible accents. Like that was something that stuck with me <laughs> yeah. is, and you no, know, it's funny enough, like watching it now, I'm like, these aren't the worst accents. Like they seemed worse when I was younger. Like there's, they're not good, but it's just like, I have heard worse since, but it's still like Keanu and Winona just kind of, they float in and out of it. So they sorry, float in remember. and out <laughs> of it. Like they have no sometimes chemistry. You get a little, you get a little Ted. In uh you get a little Ted in him every yeah. once in a while. Yeah, I
2: mean come on, we always get a little Ted, it's Keanu. Always it's get Keanu. a little Ted out of Keanu. But, but he's like, gotten so um, much
0: better.
1: He's gotten so much better over the years. Right? Yeah,
0: he's in incredible. Like if they he did this again. He could play Dracula, funny enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. <laughs> um but I would say uh Anthony Hopkins was probably like one of my favorites on there. Um though I will say he kind of plays like his his version version of Helsing uh is unique but at the same time he also seems like you're like like a grandpa that you know is going to hit on your girlfriend and he does and he yeah. fucking does <laughs> and he
1: does <laughs> and he does um but
0: but it makes sense to, it's it's weird but it also kind of weirdly made sense with the character it added a little extra layer to the character mm-hmm. um whether it was intentional it's just like okay so he's not the perfect human being he's a little fu- fucking weird and a little aloof but he also studies the occult so i guess <laughs> so uh-huh um yeah that's that's how i feel i can't really remember uh quite too many others i mean fuck even quincy probably by what's his name like even the texan accent was a little bit fucking forced yeah but okay i'll i'll end your turn eric (laughs) it uh yeah i mean you know it gets a it gets
2: a worse rap than maybe like ryan was saying it's it probably gets a little bit worse reputation than it deserves um the ensemble and like the general way the movie works makes the cast work for the most part i think keanu reeves being jonathan harker specifically um hurt his chances because he gets pulled away from like the ensemble he doesn't get to you know rely on you know everyone else's collective he's he's playing scenes against gary oldman as you know as a young actor Mm -hmm. um who is obviously not comfortable with the British accent because he's floating in and out of it. And in fact, he later starts to do, was it during his, his journal narration or something where I feel like there's parts of this movie. He just doesn't have it <laughs> like where they went, okay, fine. Just do your own voice. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. so it's that being said, yeah, he doesn't have much chemistry with chemistry with an known writer. I, I think the Harker character kind of disappears into the background. I'm not sure that's entirely unintentional because of the direction this movie takes with the Dracula Mina um, relationship. So potentially, like possibly, that's that's kind of intentional that you know his character is not supposed to be the big hero that we saw in other interpretations. Um, he is a little bit more of a sidelined character. But cast wise in general, I think everybody's fine. I think Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman are the standouts as it should be. I mean, they're they're Dracula and Van Helsing, yeah. right? That's Um Tom Waits is great. I'm not sure I'd say favorite ever because Dwight Fry is just so damn good too in the old 1931. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's up there. It's a memorable performance. I love Tom Waits in pretty much everything. I'm a big fan of him musically and as an actor. Um his interpretation is great and um so he shines as well. Everyone else is competent, they're fine, they're just not real, they're not memorable performances. Winona Ryder is Winona Ryder, right? And the accent's kind of rough. Richard Grant's fine, Carrie Elwes is fine, Bill Campbell's fine. They as characters in this film, and here's the downside of using, you know, Stoker's entire cast of characters is those three characters, Dr. Seward, uh Holmwood and Quincy Morris are not very developed as characters. They're they are what they are. You get a little bit of development of Seward because yeah. he's, you know, as he has the scenes with Renfield and such, but um even so I feel like we could have used a little more development even just some scenes with them you know having some conversations or something so we got a feel for who these people were but um no i mean cast wise it's not it's probably not best ensemble kind of winner but it's it's not as bad as it gets the rap for keanu unfortunately gets the the short end of the stick
0: but yeah <laughs> well I also he also mentioned... gets the long end of the fame yeah <laughs> sorry. I, I,
1: I do want to go back to Gary Oldman a bit for his performance mm-hmm. in this, because that's the one review that seems to give the most credit for the cast, because there's always like, ah, Keanu's accent's terrible. Gary Oldman's great, though, and I... <laughs> how do you think he stacks up... Isn't that up? the truth about everything with Gary Oldman? That's it? true. It's not according <laughs> to Gary Oldman. <laughs> I mean, I've I've always considered Gary Oldman to be like our modern-day Lon Chaney. The guy can just transform himself into anybody, and we've we've covered him on, you know, in a number of other uh films that we've reviewed on the podcast true romance coming to mind Mm -hmm. right away um but uh he plays a couple of different almost versions of dracula in this you know because they do the whole you know he becomes this young sexy guy um but
2: uh you also so you see him kind of as like in modern term, in modern days he's almost a little more creepy than sexy but anyway (laughs) oh definitely yeah yeah this this is
1: this this screams Me Too violations all over the place it's pretty one thing I was actually uh, my wife and I were commenting on we were watching this movie would not be made like this today in no way.
2: It might be, but it wouldn't be held by critics and,
1: you know, yeah, like Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, but uh and then I, I do want to go back a little bit just to Tom Waits because that portrayal of Renfield with the eating bugs. I've I know I've mentioned this on the show. I know I mentioned it just tonight before we started recording that you know I've got this little headcanon thing of performances and <laughs> movies that you've got a, a character who's hamming it up so much, not necessarily in a bad way, that it and they're crazy enough as a person that you, you wouldn't be shocked to find out they just kind of waltzed their way onto the set and they were like, fuck, I guess we're filming them. And he feels like that in this. Tom Waits' version of Renfield where he's eating bugs and he's offering them as hors d'oeuvres and just talking about wanting a cat and all this stuff. That's just Tom Waits being Tom Waits as far as I'm concerned. And it works.
0: I agree. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it actually, first time seeing this, like you you were kind of hyping it up before I even got to see it. Yeah. Um, and I... Yeah, you're not wrong. You didn't undersell it. It it was actually very enjoyable to watch him go nuts. I mean, he's yeah. not in it enough, but
1: I get it. They can't do the whole movie with with him, of course. Um, <laughs> some other things too, though, about this film. Um, at least that I noticed watching this, and I'd love your guys' take on it. You know, we talked a little bit about it got some awards for you know artwork and set design, but the storyboarding in this. It dawned on me watching this that. There's a number of, of really kind of unconventional scenes and shots in this. There's a, one that comes to mind yeah. in particular is the carriage ride to Castle Dracula. Mm-hmm. Where you see Harker in the, in his carriage and you see the Carpathian Mountains in the background and there are Dracula's eyes in the sky. And it's a cheesy yeah. shot, but fuck if that oh, doesn't great, look like but... it's right out of a comic book. And, you know, storyboards yeah. are very similar to comic comic books right the way that you know the scenes are shot and this one really feels like it's it's this could almost be a graphic novel um do you think that helped this film do you think it kind of got in the way was it was it kind of ham-fisted in there uh ryan what do you think
0: from well, an artistic first off, perspective they did make a they did make like what three comics based off of this pati- particular movie ah. so I, they, I believe so pretty easy. I, I didn't look too deep into it but i saw something there's about at least that. one graphic novel version i know for sure yeah but um yeah no it's i will say it does borderline on the cheese but it's done in such like this gothic fun way like the the for me you mentioned the eyes in the sky i'm like yeah there's that but i never got over like him just stabbing the cross and it's just pouring out blood <laughs> like yeah. nothing about that made fucking sense at all because this is pre-him being a vampire right. so it's just like this isn't becoming a vampire but it's just like okay what the fuck is up with that um but uh no that's it, it's i will say what i like about this is is the the use of models is kind of fun and classic mm-hmm. uh it's well you know it's a model but it's done in a way where it makes you feel kind of nostalgic for those older films it's it's fun um, it's a good taste. Uh, I love the shadow play. Like, that. The, any yeah. scene that had shadow. Like, him fighting the warriors and impaling the one guy and lifting him up. That was great. Or um, just the shadow in general, just fucking with people. Moving um, around on its own. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I would say, like, the first half... the Like, the whole scene before he leaves the castle to England, like, everything leading up to that is actually probably the best part of the movie. Like, the whole um funny enough like I mentioned Keanu isn't much in this movie but when Keanu is in the castle it's not very long it's not terribly long in comparison to the rest of the movie but for me that was the the better parts like that eerie nature of what's going on with with Dracula like like that just seems like a more fascinating story being trapped in a castle Mm -hmm. and you can't get out and there's fucking weird things every fucking day in fact I would say that the the show kind of does yeah. um, some interesting bits with that. It really stretched out that story longer, which I really enjoyed. It, it made and the castle a character.
1: Bef- it
0: did. Story. And uh, I kind of wanted that more in this. Because as it continued on, they started getting into the fucking love story. And like I said before, like that hurt it. Um, like I think that hurt the movie for me quite a bit. Because it's, it's not a believable thing. It's, it's fucking cheesy. It's fucking... It's just not great, it's not believable, and it changes characters for the worst. Okay. Um
1: What are your thoughts, Eric, yeah. on like the
2: storyboarding scenes and set design of this movie? I I think this movie style wise and the way it looks is just incredible. And let's not let's not toy around with the word if it might be cheesy. This movie is full on like cheese, you know, cheeseburger cheesy. <laughs> like it's uh everything about it is cheese in a good way though. Like I feel
0: like it's very American um, cinema.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's very yeah. much like a dedication, and I keep seeing how many times have I said a love letter too, but it very much is a dedication to the, you know, the, there's this model work that looks exactly like the stuff that they were using in the old Universal films, and there's, you know, like the shadow box stuff, which is an old-fashioned, yeah. you know, film thing. So it's, it's, it's all coming, you know, from, um, you know, it's just style decisions coming from... He uses a lot of, like... Um, half fade shots where you see like somebody's face you know or something going on um that's outside of the scene during the scene so like a half faded in um character to kind of like you know it's not a subtle movie. Like, if he wants you to think something or know, yeah. you know, exactly what the character's motivations are, he's going to show you. It's going to, like, all of a sudden show you a picture of what, you know, you're supposed to be interpreting. Uh, there's nothing subtle about it. Yeah, like, fountains of blood and um, eyes in the sky. and But it's so cool to look at, and the whole thing is a lot of fun. I think that is the strength of this movie. I agree 100% with Ryan that when you start into the, like, love-never-dies romance part of it, it that really is the part that spoils the film for me and it doesn't because i don't dislike the movie there's enough that um i like about it and
0: uh it's, aste- mean, it's... it has a... sorry eric
2: <laughs> yeah no no and it, it's just um yeah i was really done that's where i was going so
0: <laughs> i was just going to add because eric's right it doesn't it, the movie has its very own unique aesthetic like it's not like any other vampire inter like dracula interpretation or vampire movie and there's no other ones exactly like it either it's very much its own it, especially with the costumes in the set like it's very much its own uh and like eric keeps saying like it's it's old cinema it's an appreciation of old monster movie cinema in terms of aesthetics
2: yep well and, it and also aesthetics. it's got it has a healthy dose of you know 60s and 70s sleaze kind of b-horror films too and it and does it's got that kind of cheesy to it because like you the, it you the sexualization it. of this is it. not just like you know a a modern sensibility it's overly sexed you know there's intentional titillating nudity and there is you know (laughs) can we extended sex scenes some with a werewolf you guys Um, yes you
0: (laughs) you guys talk about titillating a lot and when you say it like you keep mentioning lucy's one boob but i can't stop thinking about the gary oldman (laughs) nipple prosthetic yeah yes the nipples yeah yeah (laughs) a
2: bit nipple
1: yeah well, I mean, and yeah, Ryan, um, you, you did mention costumes as part of the aesthetic too, and um, they're pretty incredible in in this. They're, they're they're also pretty big and cheesy almost, and uh, a, I, I don't want to say ahead of their time, but this was a bit ahead of the steampunk craze, if we can call it that. Um, but it's it's there's certain elements, but yeah. there's certain elements there. But what what do you guys both think of the? Uh, we'll start with you, Ryan, with the uh, the costumes, and so you know we talked about set design, but the the kind of costume design because some of them get pretty elaborate
0: they do um i will say like this when drac when you first see dracula uh well when Me- mina first sees dracula and his gray with the tinted sunglasses mm-hmm. which is now mm-hmm. kind of an iconic look when you look up Dracula, like brim stoker's yeah. dracula and you see gary oldman yeah. in it um i think that works very well we have that he has that mustache and that slight goatee and um, the it, it's just gray and it's just like you oh he should be wearing black i'm like no he doesn't actually wear that classic evening wear at all really in the movie like he's always very much wears um no oh, it's very like, colorful well, well, it's, I wouldn't say more so colorful, because uh, there's red. Like, his, his, his dragon robe that he wears, mm-hmm. and when you first see him, is very colorful and very beautiful. But everything about his costume is like, I am a prince from another country. Like, that doesn't go away. He's very proud. It's very much his identity. And it's never, like, even though he, he pretends to be human, he never, like, loses that past identity that is him you know what i mean like mm-hmm, yep. it's it's very i don't know that's that there's a that, lot of honest... pomp
2: to him like yeah the upper cra- like princely larger than life kind of aristocrat but... they keep the yeah, aristocratic
0: yeah. yeah and um those were honestly the costumes that i probably looked at the most and found the most fascinating everything else kind of like it was just everything with dracula was just the most fascinating part when it came to it, the aesthetics at least <laughs> um i would say actually i would also add a uh, helsing's um i don't know something about him like that professor meets vampire hunter kind of look like scholarly but also at the same time like maybe it's not always the well-kept he's a little bit gruff and rough around he's not as clean as fucking dracula he, he's, oh, he's, very definitely op- he's definitely got tenure
1: he's definitely got tenure He's letting right. himself go. <laughs> yeah. So
0: so it's interesting because he's not as charming as a character as well, and like he's very blunt and right right to it. Like he's describing the death of Mina. She's like, Oh well, did, she, did she did she did she have like uh, a rough death? And he just answers like, Oh yeah, yeah, she fucking she was in agony. And then we yeah. stuck. Did her. she then suffer we,
1: yeah, she suffered and then we, we drove a stick through her heart, we cut off her head.
0: <laughs> and we burned and her so, and, and <laughs> as they're eating a meal we cut off her head put a stake in her heart yeah so it's so it's kind of nice to see that uh, as well as his costume design and how he was presented like like i said he kind of looks like a crusty grandpa it's like a single grandpa really um maybe older uncle maybe seems more fair to anthony hopkins at that time but depends on who your grandpa is i suppose
2: what about you? (laughs) what are your thoughts on the, the costume design in this one um i really would you know probably echo a lot of what ryan said i think it's it's cool that they didn't just do the classic you know black suit cape kind of look dracula's got this you know totally different look to him than, than you know the lugosi film or even the hammer films or um i really like and so it's funny because i remember when this came out that it was kind of a big running joke and they make fun of it again in the mel brooks dracula dead and loving it movie um but the the butt hair yeah that uh (laughs) the gary but i actually really love the the older dracula the castle dracula uh costume uh i think it works it's again it looks old world right it looks like a a renaissance painting of old lords and ladies and um you know with a big kind of he's powdered and he's got this you know kind of wig-esque big hair and he's got this long flowing robe and um I think it's iconic, almost in the same way. You know, Bella was iconic, or you know, um, that that look. So I think it kind of redefines Dracula in a way. Costumes are great. She totally deserved the Oscar that she won for it. And by the way, uh, the costume designer's name is—I hope I don't butcher it—but Iko Ishikoa? Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
1: so. that's how I've heard it said. The yeah. one, what the one costume that always really stood out for me was his uh, his battle armor from when he's fighting the Turks oh yeah. The, oh, with the like the beginning. muscle
0: fibers and it's this like kind appearance.
1: of demonic yeah. armor yeah with the, the red almost muscle fiber look to it um, I remember a lot of merchandise when this came out um, God, I remember going to the mall in Rockford and there was a, a Suncoast video it was like the only store where you could buy movies and they would have <laughs> merchandise when this came out and it was like little plastic figurines of all the characters and they always had the Dracula in the armor which was cool as hell <laughs> um hmm. you know this one also just because that reminded me something i wanted to mention before but this one really did um try to pull in the vlad the impaler angle yes i was going to mention that the his, the actual historical yeah. Dracula stuff here yeah. which you know that's it's if i'm not mistaken stoker loosely based Dracula mistaken on, on probably <laughs> on on vlad the impaler uh, or vlad Tepis um which was like no he was yeah. Vlad Vlad the Pillar was not Dracula Dracula is modeled off of <laughs> Vlad the Impaler. Right.
2: Um uh Vlad Tepish did have a name um that loosely Dracula or Dracul would have been something that he possibly was called probably by his enemies or people that feared him which is just the dragon the, yeah. the whole order of the dragon thing that that's that's real that's right out of history um his mm-hmm his family and his and he was um, pretty brutal people that took power of <laughs> yeah. um it wasn't called transylvania it was called wakow Wakavia. um mm-hmm. well, i'm gonna anyway i'm probably getting Wachowia my history all wrong like but
0: uh yeah. Um,
2: yeah and he, they were a particularly brutal group of warlords <laughs> um and came to be known as you know the order of the dragon or the dragons and he was the son of the person who um got that original nickname so that's the you know the great people we're dealing with and of course is his you know legacy is his brutality so the the way he
0: mm-hmm.
2: impaled his enemies and how he notoriously burned a whole city that defied him at one time and i'm go read about the guy he's he makes um you know some of the nazi war criminals seem like uh, you know sesame street characters so yeah anyway a very scary real life person however vampirism doesn't really enter into it at any point at least that we know of except that the fact i think what where stoker got fascinated with it is that they're not really quite sure what happened to him at the end of his life they never found a corpse not sure exactly where he was buried you know Hmm. so there that's how you know myths are born so i think stoker caught a bit of that kind of stuff and took his little vampire story he was cooking up um which came from other you know eastern european mythology and kind of tied it to that historical horror story
1: Well, and there's anyway. Enough on that. You were going somewhere else with well, no. (laughs) But there's a scene in the beginning of this, you know, where uh, you know they show him, and again, it's kind of that you know the use of shadow, very shadow box kind of thing, where you know you see him impaling people, and then there's the blood gushing out. So I wanted to mention, talk a little bit about the practical effects. This is before CGI, really, Um, and this movie is actually chock full of makeup effects and and practical effects.
2: Uh, They do all the different forms that Dracula, yes, supposedly can take. I'm pretty sure they get all of them in this, uh, everything from the novel. Yep, um, yep. Mist, Rats, Bats, Wolf. man, Wolf, yeah. Uh,
1: Ryan, what are your thoughts on on the... Do do the practical effects in this hold up
0: pretty well, or the makeup effects hold up pretty well years later? I think... um... Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Like, it's not in a, in a way where I would feel like somebody will go out of the way of like, oh my god, just looks so cheesy and shit. But because that's kind of the intention, like what I think it does, it does a very good homage as this movie continues to do, in our opinions, uh, of practical effects. And you know, yeah, I'll just say yeah. Like, yeah. I really, I really did enjoy it. Like, there's, there wasn't too many parts that, um. I think, threw me off, unless, um, like, it was, like, intentionally over the top. And, like, if it, it felt like it was intentionally over the top, that wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I agree. Like, a lot of that stuff is... is borderline cheesy but the 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 not borderline it definitely is especially like the mist being glowing bright green and the, the that the one that's the like that's actually the one that
0: uh, i probably had the most issue with was the green mist <laughs> uh which um, made me the, laugh cuz it's like the, this is goosebumps <laughs> right <laughs>
2: sorry the monster creatures are actually quite great makeups like the, yeah. the you know the creature design is is pretty great uh, i like that it, it's interesting to me i'm not sure i like it i kind of miss the like little bats flapping around but in this movie, they never go with the little bat kind of Dracula turns into the bat and you know, flaps around kind of deal. He actually turns into a large man sized bat monster, um, which which leads us to get a really great looking monster. But I kind of miss the bats. But
0: I will. Anyway, can I leave. can I add off of what sure. that monster because he just reminded me. Of. It's weird to say this, but I really enjoyed that bat creature. And what did it for me was the way they showed his thin ass elbows. Mm-hmm. like very bat-like <laughs> yeah and i know it's a weird thing because when you think about it it's like well that seems kind of out of proportion but i, I that level of detail actually was like this is really fun uh, i really enjoyed that little bit i think my okay. favorite
1: <laughs> my favorite shot of any of the practical effects in this is when he is the bat creature and he's at the sanitarium and they're backing mm-hmm. him into a corner and he goes into the dark and all you see are his eyes. And when they shine the light in there, oh, he's yeah. the rats. And he even reaches
2: out oh, and yeah. then they drop. That's such a cool effect. Yeah. Um, and that, I love the that's... way he sinks back to just the eyes. Like, that's actually one of the things that effectively creeps me out in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's that's the one.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I, I liked the, also the, instead of him being oh, just a wolf, he turns into a kind of werewolf. Type creature. Like I actually beast. thought the the yeah. mist thing was kind of cool, personally, especially when it. Yeah, I know we've talked about. How I cheesy I think it fits or, fine in fits this fits. movie. It's certainly cheesy. It, but. it is, but the, I don't the,
0: think it had to be green. It didn't. <laughs> but they're going. I
1: think. I think yeah. they did that probably to differentiate it from just the fog that was everywhere. But when he goes under the covers and manifests as a person, that was you know it's it's a cool it's a cool shot. Um, it's like the. We, it, we it's of, interesting because it feels like when this movie you know as, as I and I totally agree with you guys the, the the most interesting kind of story of this is the stuff going on at Castle Dracula with Harker at the beginning and the whole love story stuff it's a love story or attempted at one but that's when the effects get really cool so you've yeah, got a yeah. scene where there's an inter- you've got half the movie where it's an interesting story
2: and the other half where it's just cool to look at there's cool stuff oh, happening love story stuff is flawed
0: it's not boring it's just flawed yeah (laughs) right i beg to differ (laughs) yeah no
2: well and Um, and then okay it's a little boring i do agree with
1: that well (laughs) and i I wonder how much of that then is is just the the story or how much of it is the script you know the you know we, we mentioned the accents and there's some of these lines that just don't come off there are some great lines in this movie most of them are from gary oldman yeah. um and a lot of them are an homage again to the bella lugosi performance you so. some of them are right out of that yeah like, but yeah. but they're said I mean, in such I mean, a he, different he way he
2: reiterates the you know i never drink wine mm-hmm. what music they make children of the night yeah children of the night what music they make um a lot of the stuff he says to jonathan harker at the castle i mean those are straight off not even out of the browning film those are straight out of the, the stage play from the 20s so. yeah
1: yeah but they're said in such a different way i mean we're we're all used to the Bella Lugosi way of saying, you know, children of the night, you know, what music they make. And in this one, it he says it differently, you know, and, and the whole, I never drink wine said a little differently. it, You know, it's so I, I give that more to Gary Oldman personally.
2: Yeah. You oh know? no, he did. His performance is certainly distinct. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but there's, there are some aspects of the script here that are just kind of weird. And, and I think a lot of it does go back to the accents though. You know, I noticed Sarah and I, when we were watching this again, we were quoting along with a lot of the Van Helsing lines just because of the way Anthony Hopkins is saying his lines. They're fine, but it's just, there's a lot of, yeah, you know, like there's, he's reading through the book Dutch. of lore. Yeah, he's Dutch, right? He's reading through the book of, <laughs> of like vampire lore and he kind of thinks off the second, he just goes, yeah and it's like Sarah was like what the fuck is he doing reading a cookbook he's like I should maybe add curry to this yeah you yeah, know, something like that or <laughs> even you know the the beginning when Harker is going to Castle Dracula that cool shot with the eyes and stuff and he's reading Dracula's letter and I don't know anybody who doesn't do this when you, if you've seen it once you'll do it every time you see it again Dracula signs his letters D <laughs> that real heavy D, D. D and it's it's just something that uh i don't know It there, always which some...
0: nowadays has a different connotation he's all about that d d yeah
1: well i think that was the connotation <laughs> in this one too right
0: you want the d but
1: yeah. I, and there is a bit of a legacy with with the lines and we've already mentioned a bit you know how dracula dead loving at the mel brooks movie kind of uh you know poked fun at some of the imagery and the costumes and the designs of this as well uh, the, the blood spray the blood One spray of my favorite scenes. oh and... <laughs> the simpsons there's a simpsons episode of, of treehouse mr Terror burns they, they do a dracula and <laughs> yeah. <Mr>., and instead <laughs> of the shadows you know reaching out to try to strangle somebody they're like playing with a yo-yo or something like that you know in, yep. in the background but um how do you think that the the cultural Impact of this because it was a very successful film at at the time, and obviously, we just mentioned a second ago about all these you know, the Simpsons and Dracula didn't love it, those are all still in the 90s, though. Now, here in 2020, are we still seeing influences of this
2: in other Dracula stories? I already well, answered that question. You think, you think <laughs> you know. yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. and I haven't seen the new uh, the uh, Stephen Moffat Margatus, um, Dracula yet. It's hopefully, like the next thing I'm going to watch on Netflix because I really want to see it. Um, but I'm not sure. We went through an entire like vampire craze um, about ten years ago where everything was vampires, and but not many I'm Dracula. Not sure, yeah. I was going to say I'm not sure I can think of anything in that whole period where they really did anything with the Dracula story. Um, obviously, they borrow elements here and there. Um, i think this is gonna sound bad and it's gonna sound like a damnation of this movie but i think that a lot of that like you know twilight vampire um gothic romance stuff comes from this movie like the the coppola one i mean the stuff he didn't take from stoker the the love never dies we're destined for the romance of this actually is what you know young people that saw this movie for the first time walked away from like oh vampires are these tragic you know tragic lovers love. um you know he's he's not such a bad guy he's doing everything for you know his the love of his life um, he will cross so, oceans of time to be with you
0: <laughs> yeah So, and I,
2: I think that like drastically re- reimagines the Dracula it actually may end up being my biggest problem with this movie is that changes the character of Dracula so much that I almost like, I almost can't like accept it as you know into the like plethora. Not that I'm kicking this out of the Dracula movies, but um, it it just it's not really the way I understand that character. Like he's not some uh, poor unfortunate who was, um, if you know anything about him historically, which they set this up that this is this is the historical character that we that we've learned. You know, if you have ever read about Vlad Tepish, this is hit. This is this person. So right off the bat we're already not building a sympathetic character right and then they turn him into this like kind of you know crossed oceans of time to find his lost love kind of thing i think it's i think it's a misstep and it's what hurts this movie and what's going to knock it it's, it's going to knock it down from being a favorite of all time to just being an amusing film that i enjoy but
0: okay so like building off of that like i mentioned Helsing the the anime the manga and the ova which if anyone wants to see a fun it a fun anime uh series watch hell scene if not anything else the ovas they're amazing they're they're way better than the castlevania series in my opinion um and and you have the main character who is dracula but he's like a good guy but kind of yes he's the anti-hero i would say but he i think like they kind of build like i said before like off of this um this movie in a, in a sense, but in a very different way. Uh, and this is going to your question about the cultural impact compared to others. This character, he really does show... Not all the time, because it's mainly like Dracula with guns. It's great. But fighting Nazis. So mm. I, should, I forgot to mention that part. So Dracula fighting <laughs> Nazis for humanity. Um, but this version, that version of Dracula, he... Does mention like he does have a deeper character than this one where he's like, it's a curse. Like being a vampire is a fucking curse. Like I'm gonna keep going on with it, but he he mentions the curse of vampirism very briefly, uh, and he throughout the series and he points out the beauty of mortality. Like he compliments how well people have aged. Like it's a beautiful thing, and that's a deeper aspect of Dracula. Like, the idea of just, like, having something that you gave up for internal life. I know it's not that great. Um, And seeing it elsewhere. Whereas in this version, like, it's like, oh, yeah, the fucking romance is awful. Um, Honestly. (laughs) No surprise. One thing I did like with this
1: was the, essentially, I I think, even in the the Castlevania-type mythos, it's a curse. That's a common thing with vampirism. It's a common thing with Dracula is he's cursed. What I liked about this is the curse is pretty much self-inflicted. Like even though the it's it's a bit of a cheesy effect and it's way over the top in the beginning. You know, he comes in and she's dead. He comes in from battle. He's been fighting for this church and he's been fighting for God. And it, it dawned on me, uh, and I actually had to start laughing at the beginning because he comes in after battle, right? And he his thing after he you know impales all these people is you know. Praise God, I am victorious, which is a great line. Um, Mm -hmm. He walks back into the church, and she's laying there dead. He's like, what happened? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, she threw herself out the window because she thought you were dead. The Turks sent a letter to, you know, get back at you. And she thought you were dead, so she killed herself. And he's he's mourning, he's weeping, and here comes the priest, also played by Anthony Hopkins, who's like, you know, she committed suicide, so, uh, yeah, she's going to hell. It's like, dude, if you would have just shut your fucking mouth, none of this would have (laughs) happened afterward. Because that's what enrages him. He's like, this is how God rewards me for fighting for him and fighting for his church. I renounce. And it's... Obviously, I always loved that opening scene. It's way over the top, but I really loved it because it kind of shows this self-inflicted curse on Drax. It's not even really a self-inflicted curse as much as it is. This is what happens when you totally reject in the church. If he does, like stabbing the cross was sacrilegious and all of this stuff and i just thought it was uh, you know i will use the powers of darkness to rise from the grave and all this um very over the top it almost feels like this movie everybody who's in it is is going out of their way to out ham each other in every scene and it, it's just fun but um that's one thing i always liked about this is a little bit different how you know they they use that whole love story that they're trying to shoehorn in here, uh, but they changed the mythos a bit in a, in an interesting way. Um, my last question for you guys before we we uh, wrap this up, um, whether it's this one or another one, and we'll start with you, Ryan. What is your favorite portrayal of Dracula in on film or television?
0: Honestly, it's still like. It's, it's the anime I keep mentioning. I have to, it's, it's, it's it's a, it's a core favorite of mine. Okay. It's such, it's such a dramatically different interpretation. It's still the same Dracula. It's still based off Brim Stoker's Dracula and this movie as well as a result, uh, certain aspects of it. But the character really does change from that 1800s that first battle all the way up to modern day, which is when the anime kind of takes place um in such a badass fucking way um but he still remains like cursed um but he's oh my god like it's hard to describe how wonderful it is and you really like anyone everyone should fucking see it it's it's dracula fighting vampire nazis and the most (laughs) glorious and it's so beautifully animated like the ovas are and the story is actually quite interesting enough uh, that's honestly still my favorite interpretation. It's just so drastically different. So that's me. And it's kind of, it's very loosely based off of this. So, or well, more directly think, based off of it. Yeah. I mean, favorite ever, I'm going
2: to be predictable and go with Bella Lugosi. It's, it's, oh, you it's mean quintessential. Like... <laughs> it is it's... Dracula and everything yeah. that is, uh, you know, come from that performance and everything. I think, I really do think he's the reason we still have dracula as a cultural entity kind of um there have been a lot of great ones um christopher lee's fantastic as the character um i think gary oldman does a really interesting great performance here Uh could i see him doing like a series of films as as this dracula i'm not sure that would be something that i'd want to see although i don't know maybe Maybe i could see another couple films in this style like i could see him doing it as all as the younger looking dracula yeah yeah maybe but, um, yeah, it's got to be Bella. I mean, he's 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 Dracula. It's kind of like you know, um, the people I guess that cling to their Sean Connery, James Bond, or their you know whoever their favorite sure. doctor or whatever it is. But he's just the the one that kind of defines the character for me. Well, and one I don't know if it's my favorite,
1: but one that I think is is overlooked because whenever you mention Dracula to somebody nowadays, they they say bella Lugosi. They say Christopher Lee. And they usually mention Gary Oldman. Um, which, again, I agree. All are great performances. I'll have to check out that anime. Uh, uh, the, I've oh, you of, will. I've heard of Hellsing, <laughs> and I've, I've been tempted. So maybe I'll actually give anime oh. another shot. But yeah. one that I feel I'll, is... I'll, I'll so,
0: rip it for you.
1: Yeah, I, I'd love to, sure. One that I feel is sorely yeah, overlooked is out. the 1977 BBC film Count Dracula, where Dracula is played by Louis Jourdan. Hmm. Who... If you have never seen Louis Jordan in a film, um, start with Swamp Thing because he's in that, uh, the Wes Craven film. But yeah, he plays yeah. A, a very good Dracula as well. And I'll even say the 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 new BBC Netflix series that Dracula is, is pretty good. Um, yeah, we'll he's will save really the good. the review for that one maybe for a discussion on a on a free rentals. But uh, I guess let's wrap things up with some grades. Uh, Ryan, we'll start for start with you. If you had to grade this one, which you have to, uh, what do you think?
0: Um, it's, it's tough for me because it, the story is so meh in a lot of the times. Um, but the visuals are so great. It's definitely a movie. I think I would now, like I went most of my life without seeing this movie and just aware of it and I was fine. But after seeing it, I'm kind of like, well, that was pretty cool. That was pretty fun. And I'll probably keep carrying on without like caring too much. But I will say I did like seeing it. It is actually a a cultural standpoint at some point, and it does have these effects of um, towards you know vampire Dracula culture in in terms of and film. Um, I'd give it a, a solid B. I think that's pretty fair. Um, okay. See it if you haven't seen it, and so mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. What about you, Eric?
2: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm gonna come in right around the same. It, it's something I really, really like so much about this movie. Uh, but there's this central like plot aspect of it, and that being that the whole thing centers around this kind of love story that I don't really buy, um, that I don't care for. So there's so much cool stuff, and the movie looks amazing, and I love that it's you know this um, kind of om- great homage to everything Dracula and the cast is you know uh, most of the cast is very very strong and puts in memorable although almost entirely over the top performances um but yeah i just don't care for that being a central aspect of it and i think it really changes the character um so i think it's a bit of a misstep to make your ultimate love letter to dracula but then redefine what dracula is uh in the movie um so yeah i I think the best i can give it as much as i love watching it and as much fun as it is is i I think i was actually going to go with a b minus so i think ryan came in a little bit higher than me but (laughs) well
1: i think for for me personally um the the practical effects went over a lot for me um especially in in a a, a dracula film it's very common that you know in a dracula movie the, the effects kind of Equate to here's a bat on a string, and here's a guy with you know fake teeth. Um, and yeah, I I, the love story in this one it's it's trashy, I think that's the best way to put it. I I find it lovingly trashy. Um, it's (laughs) like a pulp graphic novel, it it, it really (laughs) is. It's like a pulp graphic novel degree of trash. Um, but I've got a soft spot in my heart for it, and I'm trying to you know wean out the nostalgia from it i'd actually give this one a b plus so i think we're all kind of pretty close <laughs> yeah um all right but yeah just the, the practical effects in this one are, are are good enough that it it makes dracula gross in parts and i kind of liked that but you know and i mean it it's still i i feel like it, it deserves a place on the shelf with a lot of the other classics like the hammer and you know films and uh and, of course, the, the Universal, the original one with Bella Lugosi, the, the Todd Browning film, I think. You know, it, it deserves a place up there, but it's definitely kind of a, a, a beast of its own design. Um, but uh, with that, I'd like to you know uh, open up the floor, then, to any of our listeners. If you have a strong opinion, or even a moderate one, we'd love to hear it. What are your thoughts on Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 1992 Francis Ford Coppola film? You can share those thoughts with us, and I encourage you to do so by emailing us at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at videojunkpod or find us on Facebook at Video Junkyard Podcast Group or the regular Video Junkyard Podcast page. We'd love to hear what
2: you have to say. And coming up in the coming weeks on the Video Junkyard Podcast, uh, next week we'll be looking at the. Um, I don't even know what year it was made. I don't have it on here. Geez, way to be. Uh, we're going to look at Death Becomes Her the uh week after that looking at living with yourself going beyond that we're going to look at demolition man uh beverly hills cop ace ventura highlander Islander, dr moreau changeling pink flamingos and on and on and on lots of great stuff coming up on the video junkyard podcast as well as giving you more free rentals and uh discussion shows coming up in the um, near future as well so we'd like to thank everybody once again as always for listening to the video junkyard
1: podcast and we hope you tune in next time until then I'm Joe Peterson,
0: I'm Eric O'Branson. Branson, and I'm Ryan Steiskel saying...
2: Yeah, she was in great pain, then we cut off her head and drove a stick to her heart, and burned it, and then she found peace. Doctor! You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer,
0: but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them Go. Go. Stay on the
2: road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com/slash video junkyard podcast, on Twitter at video junk pod, and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.